Hey everybody, it's Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. And I want to start out this episode by wishing you a happy Easter. And thank you for joining us at Melbourne Heights as we come together to celebrate the good news that Jesus is not dead and buried in a tomb, but he is alive and he is risen. Now, most years when we get together to celebrate Easter, we know exactly what that's going to look like. Usually it means that we wake up a little bit earlier, we put on our Sunday best, we drive over to our churches, and we find that the parking lots have more cars in it, and the sanctuary has more people inside of it, and that the worship service just includes a little bit more of everything to get us in the right mindset to celebrate this good news of Easter. But this year's different. Because of the coronavirus and social distancing, we can't get together to worship. But here's the thing. Just because we can't worship together in person, that doesn't mean that we cannot celebrate the good news of Easter. And the truth is, it's on days like this one. Days when we don't really feel up to celebrating Easter because we can't celebrate it the way that we want to, that we need the good news of Easter the most. So let's get right into this episode's sermon and celebrate the good news of Easter together. Well, it's Easter Sunday, and most years we know exactly what to expect on Easter Sunday. Most years on Easter Sunday, we know that the parking lot is supposed to be a little fuller, and that it's supposed to take you a little bit longer to find a seat in the sanctuary. Most years on Easter Sunday, we know that everyone is supposed to be decked out in their Sunday best, and they're supposed to be wearing their best smile, too. Most years on Easter Sunday, we know that the church that you're in is supposed to pull out all the stops to put together a worship service that you'll remember. And the preacher? Well, the preacher is supposed to preach a sermon that you won't soon forget. But this year? This year hasn't been like most years. And that's all because of the spread of the coronavirus. As of last week, over 1.5 million people had been infected by this virus worldwide with more than 400,000 of those cases occurring right here in the United States. And more than a quarter million people had died because of this virus. So, over the last few weeks, we've been forced to take aggressive steps to try to stop the spread of this pandemic. The NCAA has canceled all of their spring sports, including their annual men's and women's basketball tournaments. The NBA and the NHL suspended their regular seasons. And Major League Baseball never got started with its season this year. But it's not just sports that have been impacted. Our daily lives have been upset as well. Movie theaters have been shut down and non-essential retail stores have been ordered to close. If restaurants are still open, they're only able to offer drive through or curbside service. We now have to wait in line to shop at Kroger or Home Depot, and who knows when we'll all be able to get our hair cut again. But with the travel bans that are now in place, along with cruise lines and even Disney parks being closed, We're also starting to wonder if our summer vacations that we look forward to every year will be able to happen in 2020. With all of this uncertainty, it's also taking its toll on our economy. The stock market has dropped over 7,000 points in the last couple of months, and millions of people have been forced to file for unemployment. So none of us knows. None of us knows what our financial future is going to look like after we stop the spread of this virus. And of course, the church has been impacted by all of this too. In Melbourne Heights, we haven't had an in-person worship service or activity since March 8th. And that isn't going to change anytime soon. So we've had to miss out on some of our favorite annual traditions. We've missed out on our Easter cantata and on our Easter egg hunt. We've missed out on Palm Sunday and on Good Friday services. And Easter Sunday is looking a lot different this year too. 
instead of a full parking lot. There's not a single car outside our church building. Instead of overflowing pews in our sanctuary, there isn't a soul in sight. Instead of everyone wearing their Sunday best, some of you were able to worship in your pajamas with us this morning. The only thing that seems to be the same this year is that we've put together an Easter service that none of us will forget because we'll all remember the Easter that we worship together in front of computer screens. So Easter looks and feels different this year. And because Easter is so different than what we've come to expect, a lot of us aren't feeling like celebrating Easter this year at all. A lot of us aren't feeling like celebrating Easter this year. And sure, We've tried to put on a good face with this service. I mean, I've been smiling. Our worship service has included some upbeat Easter music. We've we've even been trying to have a little bit of fun with an Easter egg hunt all morning long. But the truth is, we all feel a little bit sad and discouraged this morning. We all miss having the chance to see each other on Easter Sunday. We're all upset that we had to cancel our family gatherings that we had planned for this afternoon. We're all disappointed that we won't be able to hide Easter eggs for our kids this year. And if we try to pretend like we're not sad and discouraged or upset and disappointed, then we're doing ourselves a huge disservice right now. And we're doing ourselves a huge disservice because when we try to pretend that everything is perfect, we don't talk about the pain that we're feeling. And when we don't talk about the pain that we're feeling, you can start to feel like you're the only one with pain in your life. You can start to feel like you're the only one who has to put on that proverbial mask and pretend. You can start to feel like you're the only one who just doesn't feel up to Easter right now. But nothing could be further from the truth. If you're going through a tough time right now because you're stuck at home, you're not the only one who's hurting. If you're feeling a little stressed out because you've been laid off from your job, You're not the only one who's being forced to pretend like everything is okay. If you're upset that you can't spend this Easter inside of your church, you're not the only one who's angry about missing out on something that matters to you. And if you're grieving this morning, you're not the first person who hasn't felt up to Easter. I mean, just think about the disciples, Jesus' closest followers, and how they felt on that first Easter Sunday. Imagine what it would have been like to be in their place as the first glimmers of daylight started shining through their windows as they rolled out of bed after a long, sleepless night. What would they have felt like? They had just watched their teacher be arrested and tried and executed. This is someone that they had followed for the last three years of their lives. Someone they had spent nearly every moment of the day with. Someone that was closer to them all than a brother. Now he was gone. I can't even begin to imagine their grief. And because Jesus had been executed by the Roman government, the disciples had to be scared to death that the same people that killed their teacher would be coming after them next. And even if Rome wasn't out to get them, They had to be worried about what they would do now that their teacher was gone. I mean, these men had given up everything. Everything. Their homes, their families, their careers. To follow Jesus. Now that he was gone, they had no place left to go. So if there was ever a group of people that didn't feel up to Easter, it was the disciples. 
But it's when we don't feel up to Easter that we need Easter the most. It's when we don't feel up to Easter that we need Easter the most. And it was on that Sunday morning, nearly 2,000 years ago, when the disciples were grieving and lost and afraid, that Easter came. Here's how the Gospel of Luke, or Luke's biography of Jesus, tells the story. Luke 24, verses 1 through 6 says, Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. Jesus is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. And after the disciples heard this good news, everything changed. Everything changed. Instead of grieving, they started celebrating. Instead of feeling lost, they had a renewed purpose. Instead of cowering in fear, they started boldly proclaiming the good news that Jesus is not buried in a tomb. Jesus is risen. But what is it about the story of Easter that changed everything for the disciples? I mean, it's a great story. There's mystery as the women arrive at the tomb and find that the stone has been rolled away. There's intrigue as they meet these men wearing these dazzling robes. And there's an ending that no one could have seen coming when the story was first told. A man who is dead is now alive. A man who is dead is now alive and nothing like that has ever happened in history. So this is definitely a story that's worth repeating. But what is it about this story that changed everything for the disciples? Well, for the disciples, the power of Easter had nothing to do with the facts of history. It had everything to do with the way Easter changed their story. For the disciples, Easter had nothing to do with the facts of history. It had everything to do with the way that Easter had changed their story. When Jesus rose from the dead, God wasn't just doing something incredible. When Jesus rose from the dead, God was showing us the world that God intends for us. When Jesus rose from the dead, God was showing us the world that God intends for us. The prophet Isaiah, the one person who spoke on behalf of God during one of the most difficult periods in the nation of Israel's history, is one of the first people to articulate what the world God intends for us is like. So let me encourage you to grab your Bible and start turning to the book of Isaiah. And as you're turning there, let me tell you just a little bit about what the world was like when the book of Isaiah was written. When Isaiah wrote this passage, Israel had been invaded and conquered by an outside enemy. When Isaiah wrote this passage, all of the prominent people of Israel had been dragged away from their homeland and scattered out through the nations. When Isaiah wrote this passage, the people were so surrounded by darkness that they couldn't even remember what the light looked like. When Isaiah wrote this passage, there was no way that the people of Israel would have felt up to celebrating anything. 
That kind of sounds like us, right? During Isaiah's time, the people of Israel had been invaded and conquered. Well, I think it's safe to say that our lives had been invaded by the coronavirus. In Isaiah's time, people were drug away from their daily lives and they were taken as essentially prisoners of war. Well, we've been drug away from our daily routines and after four weeks of social distancing, we're starting to feel like prisoners in our own homes. So just like the people of Israel, we feel like we're living in a dark world right now and we don't feel like celebrating anything. So with all of that in mind, let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 25 verses 6 through 9 and see how Isaiah describes the world that God intends for us. Here's what Isaiah writes. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wine strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord is spoken. It will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is the message of Easter. This is the message of Easter. All of the darkness that we've experienced in this world, it is giving way to the light of Christ. This shroud that has been cast upon us by the coronavirus is going to be taken away, and there is a time of festival and feasting that is coming for us. The death that has surrounded us is going to be wiped away forever. All the shame of this world is being taken away. And all of this is being taken away because God never wanted us to live in darkness. God never wanted us to feel pain and suffering. God never wanted us to feel stressed out and anxious. God never wanted us to be overcome with grief. God always wanted us to live a life that was like a feast of rich food and well-aged wine. Or to put it another way, God always wanted us to live an abundant life. I like the way that Frederick Beatner, the author and theologian, put it when he said, The resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. The resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. And right now, there are a lot of worst things happening in the world around us. Millions of people have been infected by a novel virus. Hundreds of thousands of people have lost their lives because of it. And everyone from the Surgeon General to the President of the United States down to our governor and our own city officials tell us that the toll of this virus is only going to get worse. On top of that, right now, millions of people have lost their jobs because we need to social distance. And our daily lives have been disrupted in ways that none of us could have imagined. I mean, how many parents out there thought that we would be the ones that were facilitating our kids' education back when 2020 started? Or how many of us imagined that we'd be working from home before March rolled around? But in spite of all of these worst things, none of them are the last thing. As we continue to fight the coronavirus, 
we have seen some amazing things happen around the world. We have seen epidemiologists from across the globe come together to fight this virus regardless of their nationality. It was just a few weeks ago, back in the middle of March, that 300 intensive care doctors from China, where the coronavirus outbreak started, traveled to Italy to share their knowledge of the coronavirus and help the Italian doctors and medical system take care of their patients there. And just last week, Taiwan announced that they will send 10 million surgical masks to countries that are being hit hardest by the coronavirus right now, including sending 2 million masks right here to America. Now think about that for just a second. Taiwan, a place that many in America would think of as a third world country, is sending millions of masks here to help us. That's not the way that we usually think of foreign aid going. That's not all that I've seen that shows us that the worst things aren't the last things. I've seen how people have gone out of their way recently to support local businesses during this tough economic time. I've seen more and more people have been ordering takeout from their favorite local businesses to help keep these businesses operating right now. And I've also seen the way that our church has rallied together to support one of our partners in ministry, the Cabbage Patch Settlement House. The Cabbage Patch House works with over a thousand at-risk kids in our community. And right now, the demands on their food pantry is high. And I've seen people from our church stop by almost every day of the week to drop off items that we'll donate to the Cabbage Patch House to keep their pantry stocked. As a matter of fact, we had a representative from the Cabbage Patch House stop by the church just this past Monday, and we gave him dozens of bottles of laundry detergent, of cans of soup and boxes of cereal and personal hygiene items just to keep the patch operating, just to keep their pantry stocked. Now, from the church perspective, the worst things that we've experienced have revolved around our inability to meet together in person. And it's been hard. It's been hard to not be in the same building with you to worship for almost a month, especially on Easter. And in the back of our minds, I think we're all thinking that since we can't meet together in person at our churches, that our churches aren't doing the ministry we're called to do. But there's something that you may not realize. Now, over the last nine years at Melbourne Heights, our highest in-person attendance for a service was just under 200 people. But over the last four weeks of holding all of our services online only, there have been over 300 people that have seen at least a portion of every single one of those services. And we're not just talking about people that live close to our church building. We have had people worshiping with us from all across the country, from New York to California, every single week. So think about that. Think about that for just a minute. We're having no one in our building right now, but we're reaching more people than we've reached as a church in decades. We're not having anyone in our building right now, but we're reaching more people than we have in decades. And that's not just true for our church. Churches all across the world are reaching people with the good news of Jesus that we have never reached before. So the worst thing of not being able to meet in person It's not been the last thing. The last thing is that God is working through this difficult time to reach more people with the good news of his love than ever before. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that God caused the coronavirus to try to get our attention or anything along those lines. I don't believe that God causes worldwide pandemics just to draw our attention to him. But I do believe that God works even through the most difficult circumstances 
that we face, bringing redemption through that. And that's the power of Easter. Easter transcends the stories that we've read about the resurrection. Because Easter is not about an event in history. Easter is about the way God is changing your story. Easter is not about an event in history. Easter is about the way God is changing your story. Easter is about the way that God is bringing life back into your life. Easter is about the way that God is taking away your stress and your anxiety, your pain and your suffering, your sorrow and your grief during one of the hardest times that our world has ever seen. And Easter is about the way that God is replacing our pain and suffering, our grief and our sorrow with hope, with peace, with joy, and with love. So is there any wonder why the disciples' lives were changed forever on that first Easter Sunday? That was the day when they realized that the darkness of their lives had lost and that the light of Jesus Christ had won. They no longer had to be afraid. They no longer needed to worry. They no longer needed to doubt their purpose. And I want you to feel the same way this Easter that the disciples felt on the first Easter. So if you weren't feeling up to celebrating Easter this year, I get it. But I want the truth that changed the disciples forever to change you too. Whatever darkness you're feeling this morning, I want you to know that it won't last because the light has won and the light will always win. God has won and God will always win because no matter how difficult things are right now, and they're tough, the resurrection means that the worst thing is not the last thing. So we will get through this time. We'll get through this difficult time because this difficult time is not the end. Better days are coming. Brighter days are ahead. Because God is not finished yet. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the chance that we've had to come together and to worship you on Easter Sunday. And yes, God, Easter's been different this year. Instead of worshiping together in person inside of our buildings this year, We've had to worship together online through Facebook and our church's website. And God, that's weird. So as we started into this service today, God, a lot of us weren't feeling up to celebrating Easter. And the truth is, even as we're reaching the end of the service now, a lot of us still feel that exact same way. But God, it's when we're not feeling up to celebrating the good news of Easter that we need to hear the good news of this day. So much more. So God, my prayer is that everyone who can hear my voice has heard that good news. But the worst things are not the last things. And the resurrection shows us that. God, you were at work through these difficult times that we're facing right now. You were helping us make it through day after day and week after week. And God, my prayer is that you use each of us to help one another make it through this time. Let each of us be agents of your hope in this time of despair. Let each one of us be agents of your love in this time of isolation and social distancing. Let each one of us be agents of your joy in this time of sorrow and grief. Let each one of us be agents of your peace in a time that is filled with anxiety and stress for so many people. Let us be people of the resurrection that remind people that you are still at work in this world even when we can't see it. And that even when things look like they are the worst that they can possibly be, that doesn't mean that that's the end. God, you haven't given up on us. 
You are still reaching into this world, still helping us every single day. So my prayer is that you use me, that you use all of Melbourne Heights, that you use everyone that can hear my voice to be agents of your resurrection, bringing your hope and peace and joy and love to this world. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's Adam again, and thanks for joining us for this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this week's sermon has inspired you and encouraged you and reminded you that the resurrection means that the worst things are never the last things. So even though we're all going through a hard time right now, even though we're experiencing some of these worst things, God's not finished yet. God is still at work in this world. God is still at work in our lives. Now, next week we are starting into a brand new series of sermons at Melbourne Heights where we're going to be talking about life at home. Right now, most of us are spending the vast majority of our time inside of our houses and our relationships at home are starting to feel a little bit of friction. The relationships between ourselves and our spouses and our kids, there's a little bit of friction there. So we want to spend some time together over the coming episodes talking about what we can do to alleviate some of that friction and to help all of us make the most out of the time that we have together at home. So I'll remind you the same thing now that I always do. If you subscribe to our podcast, next week's sermon will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And as always, I am praying for you guys this week. I hope that you have a great week, and we will see you back here next Sunday for another sermon podcast.